I'm Leanna Shields, and you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today's Snoops and Sleuths, I have with me Hilary Deshane. Yes. Here to talk about her books, writing, and all things cozy. Hillary, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snoops and Sleuths? Yes, thanks, Leanna. Well, hello, friends. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be here. I write cozies because I is a cozy reader, and I know we have lots in common, and I'm sure that Leanna is going to walk us through the ways that if we ever run into each other on the street, we'll be instant friends. (laughs) Oh, I hope so, because I love making new friends, and cozies are such a great community. Yes. So my first question, is any of your writing inspired by your actual life? Uh, (laughs) Yes. Um, Actually, yes. Um, Well, first of all, I have, um, I'm the parent of two fur kids. Uh, Currently, my supervising editor, Ambrose, the Siamese, and uh, Jocko, the Black Lab, who is our morale officer. And... (laughs) And so uh, I've been an animal owner, uh, let's see, six decades now. And um, so they're all day, every day, my animals inspire me. And then outside that, um, I'm retired from law enforcement. And that certainly gives me additional um, background or foundation in some of the the criminal things and then on top of everything else i i guess i just have a morbid uh sense of humor and <laughs> you know crimes interest me I, I spent many years serving as a court officer and so the investigative point of evidence how do you prove something or if i'm planning a crime i always start with the 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 crime the murder usually and then how would I prove this or how would I hide it? And so that real life um, experience and training definitely plays a huge part in my writing. That's great. I actually, I'm a cozy author myself and I just find it hard not to put a little bit of myself into my books. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, and I think um, I think it's commitment. I I I wouldn't. I don't write things. I don't ask my readers to allow me their precious time and attention unless I'm writing something that that I, I would want to give headspace to. And so um, I. I I think a lot of us cozy writers and readers have a real commitment to um, the story, to writing a really great story. And so it's that commitment. So you and I, we've talked about that. We, we put our, we not only put our effort, our sweat equity into it, writing it, but we invest our mental energy and our love into it. And I hope that communicates itself to the reader. Absolutely. That that is one of the big hopes with writing in general, really, is does our books connect? Does our books connect? Ugh. <laughs> I know. I is a writer. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I use your words. <laughs> Do our books connect with the reader? Right. Um Do our books give that feeling of the community, the, the, you know, the love in ways that yeah. cozies express for these small towns, small settings. Right. And, and the characters, because uh, now granted, uh, cozy is a, a, a perennial uh, and as times change, history affects us the the genre is is not static and you're you're seeing daughter subgenres but wouldn't you say that that at the beating heart of the of cozy mysteries is characters we want we readers want to 
be in the midst of a community and a group of characters. And even though they may not all be uh, admirable or people that are going to be our natural friends, it's still about connecting, getting to know other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on this track, would you have any advice for those who would want to write their own cozies or mysteries in general? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, actually, I, I do. Um, and and the, the first one uh, comes, if, I think it's true in any, any, any genre, read. Read your genre and read subgenres and read widely outside your genre. You should know the literary forefathers and foremothers of, of your own genre, but also you should be pretty well read, uh, meaning you start to absorb what works and what doesn't. And I personally think that is a better education than, um, I, I do a fair amount of, of mentoring and, and have done a fair amount of teaching in the past. And you have newer writers come in and the, they've got a head full of rules. I heard that you must never do this. You must always do that. Well, you know, always and never, except for death and taxes, probably. Mm. But what you want to do is um, be on the upper side of mid-range, right? And uh, they used to call it mental golf, right? The more you're around good writing, the more you smell it and feel it and emulate it. So read a lot, know your genre. Um, gosh, um, get to know other writers. The old thing about the starving act, the starving a lonely writer in the garret who only comes out once <laughs> a year on Christmas Eve. Uh, writing is a is a relational thing because the you know the book that you write and the book that I read the book I read of yours is different than the book my neighbor reads. We we negotiate the actual text between us, so it is a communal thing and and also. Um, upstream of that, writers do write in community. Uh, I, I can't sit next to every reader who's bought my book and said, oh, what I really meant was. <laughs> so you need other writers, you know, iron sharpens iron. Build a good writing community of trust. It doesn't happen overnight. People who are invested in your success and you're invested in theirs and then help each other develop into the best writer you can be. And I think between those two things, you're probably going to do okay. And that is some great advice. And I completely agree with the reading. Well, I agree with both of them, but reading and learning about the four writers of whatever your genre is, for me, the mystery genre. I thought okay, I've read a few Cat Who books, I'm fine. But now I've gotten into um, Mary Roberts Reinhardt, Todd Downing, Agatha, yeah. well, not so much Agatha Christie. I've, uh, I'm about to lose my mystery uh, membership uh, right here, but <laughs> I uh, find Agatha Christie slightly boring. Okay. Um, P.D. P. James, um, and you know, the, the thing about um, writing mysteries, cozies, thrillers, suspense, uh, we're, we're all kind of uh, planets in the same solar system. So here's some other fabulous uh, writers such as Ray Bradbury. Mm. Ray Bradbury was a giant uh, among American writers and internationally acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And he wrote everything from, you know, kind of edging into the horror genre to very sweet and touching um, character examinations. But that man could hook you 
right? Hook you in the first couple of paragraphs. Don't we all need that? And uh, create an identification with a character, uh, interest in a setting and pull you along. Our, that's what we all want to do. So, you know, there's another writer for you. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that'll always hook me in a book is the first line. Mm-hmm. Like Voyage of the Dawn Shredder. His mm-hmm. name was Eustace. I can't remember the whole thing. He was His name was Eustace and he almost deserved it. Beautiful. I know. Beautiful. There, and, there are some, some writers that you stop and you read over, they're just tasty, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, even like a, the one I mentioned before, Todd Downing. He captured the setting of a hot Texas summer within the first few lines. And it's like, I want to write like this this is awesome yeah yeah and that's what we I think that's true in any discipline um whether it's tennis or writing uh we need to see what the goal not only the goal is it's not enough to say I want to write better I want to be a better tennis player you have to see what that is and and what it feels like. And so just as you said, Liana, you know, with Downing, it's like, oh, I can feel it, see it, read it. That's what I want to do, aspire to. Right. So while we're on the topic of books and what makes them great, do you have a favorite character or would you get in trouble with your other characters? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Um. So favorite character of mine? Yes. Uh, all. Um, so as a writer, you're probably, you've had the same experience. So uh, a writer's life, for those of you who are listening, who maybe um, aren't in the publication um, assembly line, you're, you're writing, uh, you're always got it, probably at least three books going on at the same same time. Uh, meaning there's the draft you're actually writing, what we call a whip or word in, uh, work in progress. There's the one that's done and now you're editing and um, preparing for publication. And then on the beginning of the pipeline, because you got to keep the widgets moving down, <laughs> the <assembly laughs> line, you've got uh, you're you're drafting, you're outlining a new story. And then in between all that time, because our writer brains never shut off or shut up, um, you're always like, oh, what is that? Or you hear overhear someone's conversation and you, like for me, it's like, oh, I could kill someone that way. Let me think <laughs> about that all the time. Um, and I have uh, a number of friends who are still working law enforcement or are physicians, and I'll call them up and say, "Hey, I, you know, if I if I uh, killed someone with a swizzle stick that I just got, uh, you know, could I hide it this way? And what would be the symptoms and that sort of thing?" So I've got a lot of it's like a cocktail party in my head all the time. A lot of characters in there, and then you're writing marketing copy, doing interviews. I I still freelance. I pay my bills with. Um, I do um, feature journalism. So you're doing all that. So sometimes characters uh, that thought they were in the pipeline to get on the page have to be put on hold. They have to stay in the green room. And and so sometimes they're polite about that. And sometimes they wake me up and they're jabbering. Um, <laughs> my, my, I would have to say my favorite character is in my second book, Throw a Dog, A Dead Man's Bone. Um, and that's the one that that won the um, Cat Writers of America Best Mystery Award uh, a couple of years ago. The um, main animal character there, the point of view character named Grim or Pilgrim, was based on um, uh, my old dog, um, uh, Nathan, who had since passed away. And Nathan was just the most noble, wonderful character and Grimm, the character based on him, um, 
you know, do dogs, I just hope I did him justice. So I would have to say that, that Grim Pilgrim, yeah, just, he was just a heart dog. So, but I've got some more coming up because I have a new series coming that I want to start in the, the spring. And I, I also have a heart horse. And so I'm looking for getting her on the page. So I have a future character that's also a favorite. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> that is very relatable. Very, very relatable. Because I've got like, okay, like you said, multiple projects. I just finished Nano mm -hmm. in two weeks. For those of you who don't know, Nano is National Novel Writing Month. <laughs> so I just finished that project in a ridiculous two weeks. <laughs> do, you, do, you have, do you have fingers left or are they worn to nothing? <laughs> I have fingers left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's waiting to go to the editor. I started the sequel to that book. And I'm also co-writing a book with another author. Yeah, I'm constantly flitting between universes and they're starting to meld. Yes. <laughs> Very much. I, I find do you do you find someone will um so I I'm fortunate enough to do a fair amount of public speaking and not so people come up to me and said, Oh, I read this book. I, tell me how so how did so and so figure out thus and so? And I'm like, uh I you know, once they're done, half the time I don't read it's like, okay, what was that title again? And, and uh, <laughs> so it's a cocktail party going on here and, right all the time. And then there's all the material, right, Lana? There's all the material that you you drafted in your first draft and it didn't make the it didn't make the cut so so sometimes readers may not realize um so we write we have word uh word count targets and so some genres your word count could be gosh high fantasy what 200,000 right monster doorstops and in cozy <laughs> mysteries um you know, 70 to 80,000 is kind of standard, but there's a lot in the 40, 50,000 word, which is short. And novellas are popular. So long, what that means is you could write some really great, exciting, fun scenes. But if you're trying to, to stuff 70,000 words into what's got to be a 50,000 word um uh, cover and, and package stuff has to go. You have to make hard choices. And so sometimes those scenes, you love them. And you're, you know, they're orphans. And I'm always looking at, well, could I put it in a short story? Could I spin it off into a sequel? Could I put, you know, tweak the characters and make that a, a, a new fresh short story or even a new book? So it's hard, hard to cut those things down um, and you still love that stuff. It doesn't mean you cut it because it you didn't like it. And I know what you mean with that. Um, there have been, I'm trying to remember, there was one story I wrote where I really wanted to put a certain scene in. Well, I tried putting it in. I'm a right by the seat of your pants author. And my characters did not like the scene as much as I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, fine, fine. This yeah. pretty scene that I wanted here will wait. <laughs> that is, and that is so, it, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that, Lana. That is so true. And, uh, you know, if you want to loop back to advice for n newer writers is, if you write a scene and it's it you know it functions and it and it advances the plot and um you know mechanically it works but it just doesn't feel right you know it's it that is uh, that i think that's an instinct you should listen to and particularly like if your dialogue of your characters it feels like you're doing stage directing he went here 
he touched this, he opened that, and it's not flowing. It could very well be your inner writer, your character is saying, I'm sorry that I'm doing this under protest. This isn't me. <laughs> and um, I, I heard a definition once of a, of a writer as being a functional schizophrenic. <laughs> because we not only have voices in our heads, we talk with them and they tell us stuff. And you start to hone that inner ear where no matter how badly you need that um, section of the plot moved along, it, it's not organic. I like organic is a good way, is a way I use it. If it, it just, um, what, what will, let's see, readers, or if, if it's, if it's a screenplay, you're, um, you know, it's just like a cardboard character or they'll say, oh, it's just a plot device. I don't, I don't ever want that. And one guard against that is if it's not organic and that means your characters are just, you're kind of having to force them to do it, which means you shouldn't do it. Get, get that information in some other way. But yeah, those, those pesky characters, sometimes they know best. <laughs> yeah, not unfortunately. Always. Yeah, not always. <laughs> not always. But there are times, for me at least, where it's like, I'll do something that didn't feel right to the character. All of a sudden, they become a petulant two-year-old and yep. cause writer's block. Very much. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, fine, we will have a sit down. What did I do wrong? <laughs> well, or or you have the situation where, um, particularly with... with um, Anything that's that's heavily plotted, meaning it's it's got a uh, problem plot, so a mystery, a thriller. There's a puzzle to be solved. Um, you can go, you know, ears flat, ninety miles an hour straight ahead because you've got, you know, I can do this, I can do this, and you get to the end and you read it and go, oh my gosh, but how did they know? And you miss one thing because all of your characters, you're all jammed along and you've got this dialogue, the relationships are great. And there's there's a hole, there's a plot hole, right? And and it's like a, a you know, ball of yarn all of a sudden, you know, or a snag and a carpet, a tapestry, and then you have to go all the way back to zero <laughs> and catch the end of that thread where it broke. So sometimes characters are, are like... Um, Oh, yeah, 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 this is great. You know, it's that old thing about uh, hold my, uh, someone will say, bet you can't do it. Hold my beer. Watch me. That's, <laughs> that's dangerous, too. And I, I have yes. some. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's like sometimes you need to rein them in. <laughs> oh, the second book in my series. Oh, my gosh. I had it all laid out for a certain killer. Yeah. Oh, no. Character over here who was supposed to be a nice little side character comes in like Kuzco from Emperor's New Groove, kicks in the door and says, I'm here. It was me. Wow. And, like, and it's like, dude, the clues were not set up for you. <laughs> now, so in a situation like that, were you able, because your brain created all that, were you able to go back and use your original intended killer as the red herring? Or did you have to completely replot? Um, it was not as a red herring, but as a, a side, uh, almost a sub sidekick, not okay. a sub sidekick, but it was like, there, it turned out to be like, there's two characters who are in on it. So there was the killer and then their little sidekick forced into the situation person. So it makes it more complex then. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Isn't it funny the way some, when that works and it's <laughs> almost like, well, I did that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yay me. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm secretly near brilliant. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, and then your characters go on to the next book and you're just like, I am stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's um, very humbling. Yes. 
very humbling or or someone will uh uh you'll get a review or a critique or even just someone who's read it you know book sign they'll say I always wondered so I you know I accept how you worked it out but I always wonder how come you didn't blah 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 and you're like oh my gosh you're right <laughs> oh my gosh you know it's like ah I, I don't know <laughs> I just wasn't that smart that day <laughs> I'll make a note for next time I can't remember there was a thing I saw once that and in the scenario it was it was like a superhero cartoon or something where the character says being a superhero is the only job where you can get complimented and insulted at the same time. And now that you think about being a writer, uh, nope, not the only job. <laughs> oh yeah. We, we're, we're so, yes, we're, we're so in that space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure we have many stories to share along that line. Oh yes. Just look at an Amazon critique <laughs> page. <laughs> oh my gosh yes yes <laughs> love the book but it arrived from the shipper damaged one star <laughs> oh okay it's like i can't control that it ended up damaged you don't do one star for the <laughs> yeah yeah it's which is another thing for young writers is or newer writers is get used to the fact that everyone is a critic and you'll be <laughs> criticized for everything. And that's part of the job you're signing up for. And it, you have to, you have to learn. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say I have a thick skin. I think I've just learned how to <laughs> have a nice face and then go and talk myself. <laughs> hey, it's the job. Um, yeah. You, that happens, but that's also a good reason. Um, I know as a buyer of books or a reader, I look, I tend to look at um, reviews. I look at the outliers. I look at the five stars and the one stars because I want to know what readers are loving and what they're hating. And, um, and in the one star, sometimes you'll see things like we just talked about love this book, uh, you know, pack, cover was wrinkled. And you learn that you are only as great or as terrible as your last review. And most of them are, uh, you know, ephemeral. Don't, don't, don't believe your best or your worst reviews. Great advice. Well, I am running out of time, running short on time. This has been great talking with you. Love I do have you. one more question. Um, how can my snoops and sleuths follow you? Because it has been so much fun. I'm sure they're going to want to. Yes. Well, thank you. So uh, uh, on my uh, Amazon author page at Hillary Deshane, and I, I know it's, it's, it's not spelled intuitively, but uh, if you if you put in H-I-L-L-A-R-I Deshane, D-E-S-C-H-A-N-E, or um, throw a dog a dead man's bone. No one's got that title and you'll find me and follow me. I'm also on Facebook and my website, hillarydeshane.com. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is called the Forensics Team Report. And that's Fur Forensics Team. And I've got a book coming out next one for Christmas. Here's the cover, which is uh, a Christmas stocking, which is the second in the Cats of Christmas series. Uh, Regency set, and it's uh, a cracking good mystery, classic locked room murder mystery, which is solved by a fabulous heroic tuxedo cat with a little something extra in the way of giftedness. And you'll love it. You'll love him. And uh, I encourage you to check out the backlist. And there's more coming in the spring. Oh, that book sounds great and i will be sure to include the link in the show's notes appreciate that thanks liana this has been delightful and i hope everyone has a fabulous thanksgiving day there's always something to be thankful for and today i'm especially thankful to make a new friend 
with all of you and spend time with you, Liana. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Snoops and Sleuths, you've heard another great interview here on The Cozy Sleuth. And I'd like to thank you all for joining me on this journey of making the show great. If you want to hear Cozy Mysteries read by live actors, check out the Cozy Mystery Rats Maze wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And until next time, this is Leanna Shields saying, keep cozy. I'm Leanna Shields, and you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today, Snoops and Sleuths, I have with me Chris Cannon here to talk about her books, writing, and all things cozy. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snoops and Sleuths? I would love to. My name is Chris Cannon, and I love all things cozy mystery. I especially love the paranormal, um, and I'm excited to be here and talk cozy mysteries. That's great. So tell us a little bit about your books. Um, I have the Mystic Hill... (laughs) Good Lord. I really just want to mispronounce my books, but I'm trying to tell people about them. And I'm a speech therapist, so that's a lot more funny than it should be. Okay. Um, Mysteries of Mystic Hills is about a girl who's a woman. She's 26 years old. She receives a letter telling her that she's inherited a tea room from her aunt that she has no recollection of. And it's because when she was younger, she would go to this town every year and then when she would leave they'd erase her memory so she has no memory of this other life that she had and then all these memories come back and she's able to see ghosts and talk to dead people so it's her job to go back and solve her aunt's mystery to solve her aunt's death wow that sounds awesome so is oh sorry sorry Okay, you go. I was just wondering if any of your writing is inspired by your actual life. Um, Belinda Harbinger is the name of the main character, and she works in preschool. So she uses a lot of humor in the book about how she um, teaches kids to share and to be kind and that adults mostly suck because they've forgotten all those rules. And I actually am a speech therapist that works with preschoolers. And I spend a lot of my days teaching kids to use nice words and to share toys and to be kind. And I also think that a lot of adults suck because they do not remember those rules. So I kind of put in some things from my real life that way. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I always find it great that we authors can put a little bit of ourselves into our books. It's It makes the world, I think, a little bit more believable. Yes. <laughs> I know with, and it's so funny, our books, are, or our series are so close in titles. Mine is the Mystic Ranch Mysteries. Ah. Well, I loved Vampire Diary, um, series and that was uh mystic falls and so i was kind of trying to do a little something close to that thinking well maybe if people love that and they saw mystic hills maybe it would like a ring of subconscious bell in their head and they go oh i should pick that book up so (laughs) i kind of got mine from my main character runs a ranch called the mystic sky ranch and yeah that one's a fun one to write and read (laughs) hello hello yes okay it went quiet for a while so sorry oh so do you have any advice for those who want to write or write cozy specifically um i would say just read 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 because there are so many amazing books out there and i think Everyone who becomes a writer starts out as an avid reader, and you don't even realize that you're absorbing all the information and absorbing the way that the books are written, like you know how they should happen. And if you pick up a book where things aren't quite right, you can kind of figure it out. And I think that transfers to your writing. Once you have read enough books and crammed all that into your brain, then when you sit down to write, it just kind of comes out the the correct way. I... 100% agree and I would also add to that don't just stick to say you're specifically cozy mystery do not just stick to cozy mystery because cozy mystery is a wide variety so our own reading and what should be a wide variety from fantasy to 
sci-fi to even the class to the classics to you name it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much any kind of book. If there's a book, I'm going to try to read it. I pretty much read almost every genre except horror because I read one Stephen King book when I was God, like a teenager. And it freaked me out for quite some time. So I decided no horror, but pretty much anything else I'm willing to read. <laughs> I don't blame you on the horror one. I I tried to write a ghost-themed cozy. I can't remember how old I was, but I ended up getting this feeling of being watched while doing it. And <laughs> nope, not doing it anymore. Nope. It's <laughs> funny. And it's like, wait, this is my own imagination. Why did this do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I find when I'm writing, like right now, I'm about to finish the third book in the series. And so I've got like 40,000 of the 60,000 in words. And so you're coming to the end and it's getting very dramatic and all this stuff is happening that I have horrible dreams at this time. Because I guess my brain is trying to piece it all together or because I sit and am like focused so much on this other world that then when I go to sleep, I have all these dreams about having to figure out all these puzzles and getting lost and having to find my way home. So it's always kind of stressful. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So in your books, do you have a favorite character or would you get in trouble with your other characters? Um, I think I can say that one of my favorite characters is um, Celia. She's a sprite and she's uh, very powerful. She's tiny, but she has a lot of magic and she controls anything, any type of vegetation, any kind of plant. And she's friends with Belinda. And when people start being mean to Belinda, she goes up to them and says things like, I will blacken every plant in your yard from now until infinity. And who's going to want to come to your house when everything in your house is molding and disgusting. And so she comes up with all these interesting little threats that you wouldn't think about. And so I just have a lot of fun with her. And also because I am a small woman, I am five foot two and Celia's tiny. And so I'm always voting for like the little tiny character in the stories. And I like it when they're more powerful than the bigger characters and that they have more magic because I wish I was powerful or more powerful than, you know, like a big, strong guy can move furniture. And I'm always just waiting for my husband to go home so I can go, can you move that couch? Because I can't manage to do it on my own. So Oh, I love it. <laughs> I will blacken every plant in your house. That is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh. And the when you said when you said Sprite, I am so sorry. It made me think of one of my characters in my book actually it was the mentioning of the plant magic that made me think mm -hmm. of one of my characters because my main character is what i call an eco mage oh that's interesting and she has powers where she can like uh go into her animals minds and calm them or her hair changes color with weather uh various you know like if it's of the earth she can control it or change it or work with it Ooh, and that would give her a lot of power because she could affect a lot of different things that way right that's fun yeah and it's it's always fun because especially with the paranormal genre i'm such a myth nerd so researching just different mythologies was a hoop for this for writing my books and i love that in paranormal you can just you can do anything there are no rules so if you want to make up something that's never been done before as long as you can give like a decent set of lore for it or a decent backstory you can just kind of go with it and I just, I like creating things like that. Um, like in uh, Murder in Mystic Hills, Belinda has a power that's symbiotic with someone else. She can see dead people and talk to dead people. But then it's a guy named Reed. It's his job. When she touches him, he can also see the dead people, but he crosses them over. 
he's the one that has to help them cross over into the light or to go to heaven. And so she can't do that farm on her own. So she has to be connected to this guy and they have to be touching. And of course you throw in something fun, like um, they were together when she was younger. And then every time she moved away, she forgot, but her mom had promised to bring her back and have her memories restored, which is the only reason she left this guy that she loved, but her mom never brought her back. So she didn't realize that she left, behind this guy that she loved and that she had symbiotic magic with. So when she does come back now as an adult, he is not pleased to see her, but they still have to work together. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but that's half the fun is tormenting your character. So. Oh, yes. That is definitely half the fun. Um, yeah, because what good is having a perfectly set cozy mystery setting if you can't twist it around and bother your characters with it? Yes. Well, and I like the settings like with mine, it's not all happy, good people. I mean, some of the things you go to the settings for the towns, they, they always have to be quirky and have fun characters. But I really think it's important to put in some really like mean or you know just bad people in there so that the heroine truly has someone she's fighting against that it actually means something if she wins or loses as opposed to sometimes it's like if you're just hunting down a certain magical artifact even though she does that too it's I guess the stakes are bigger if you know there's someone out there that has the power of life or death over people and it just makes it more interesting right right Though for me, it's like the, if you're looking at someone who's mean, odds are they are not long for that world. <laughs> well, I enjoyed, I made up a, there's a witch that she specializes in vengeance hexes. And so she only will create a hex for someone if that person has done something truly horrible. Like she considers herself a karma delivery service. So <laughs> If she creates a hex, it's because that person truly, truly deserves it. And so at first when you meet her, you know, you're like, how could Belinda possibly be friends with her? But then when you get to know what she what she does and why you understand she actually is carrying out justice, just doing it in a really horrible way. <laughs> oh, that is great. So would you say you have an author that has most influenced your writing? Um, I really loved the Tiger's Eye Mysteries by Alyssa Day, because it's one of those things like I can't, the series says that it's a town called Dead End. And she said, like, if Bigfoot has a summer house, he would live here. So it's a town where anything can happen and there are any type of paranormal creatures there. I also love the Wisteria Witches Sister witches series by Angela Pepper because it's the same thing she just made up these rules and I, I was along for the ride you know it wasn't anything that I had really read before so I would say both of them but if I'm looking at like contemporary uh cozy mystery I like Lynn Cahoon her uh Cat Latimer mysteries because the main character is an author who writes. And so as you're reading it, she's griping about having to get her words in and having to solve plot problems. So as an author reading that, I find that very amusing. Oh, I love that. There's a reason why I love asking this question. My to be read list just grows exponentially with every answer. So if you and your main character sat down to coffee or whatever their preferred caffeine intake is, what would you get and what would they get? Hmm, I would do uh, coffee with either some type of chocolate flavoring or like pumpkin spice. But I know she is a French vanilla girl. She always has coffee with French vanilla creamer. <laughs> nice. And I completely agree with the chocolate flavor coffee every morning I'm having a coffee with a scoop of Nesquik in it and mocha peppermint creamer in it Ooh, yum I found yeah. that I like oh go ahead 
I was saying sometimes I like combining like uh, cinnamon in with the chocolate too. Oh, that is I, always good. Yeah, it's a nice, it kind of warms up the flavor somehow. It's it's good. Yeah. So when you're not writing, uh, what hobbies do you do? Um, I have two dogs and I'm just, love spending time with them and playing with them. And I take them for uh, WALKs. I cannot say the word out loud because if they hear me, they will come running in here. So we go for WALKs like three or four times a day. I do that first thing in the morning. And then when I come home from work and then a couple of times throughout the evenings, so I figure it gets me moving because when you sit and write, it's very sedentary. And I feel sometimes like my butt is growing to the size of my chair because I just don't get up and move as often as I used to. So I find taking them out and moving with them is good. And then I also like to crochet, um, but I'm not very good at it. I can crochet straight lines and then I'll crochet straight back. So I can do scarves or blankets. I can't really do anything else. If you hand me a pattern, I have no idea what it says. And I tried to make a hat one time and it did not work. So I stick with just the straight back and forth and then I can do it. <laughs> oh, I hear you about the dogs. I have, uh, I call her my furry co-host because <laughs> sometimes she will bark in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. But and what kind of dog do you have? Uh she is a red healer. Aw. And I am with you. I cannot say the W A L K word or she will force me out. Uh-huh. And but these past few days here in Colorado, I have not been taking her on those. They have been too cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we had negative wind chill factor of 21 yesterday, I think. And the day before it was negative 10. So I thought, it's okay, I can go do this. Oh, I was so wrong. We got like three houses down and turned around and came back. And I swear I have like, just like wind chill burn on my face. Like it looks like I've been, I don't know, just it was so cold. But I have like a red face from it. So I'm like, I will not make that mistake again. We're going to wait until the temperature gets back up above zero. Oh. Negative wind chill negative 30 last night. I think and I've got a friend in Wyoming and one of my other friends was chatting with them and said, Hey, I saw somewhere that your wind chill factor was below what the temperature on Mars is during the day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it's like, uh, you should not be saying that. That is too cold. That is way too cold. (laughs) I know every once in a while we laugh around here because in the I'm in Southern Illinois. So in the Midwest, probably the most reasonable housing prices, but it's because in the summer we get up to like 110 to 115 degrees. And in the winter we get negative 20 to negative 30 degrees. So I think that's why the houses are cheaper here. <laughs> yeah, that would probably do it. Yes. Oh, so how can my snoops and sleuths follow you? Um, I have a website at chriscannonauthor.com. And I'm also on Facebook as chriscannonauthor.com. And I will be sure to put those links in the show's notes. Thank you. I have had so much fun talking with you. I can't believe we're on the last question. This has been fun. What is one complaint your characters would have about you as an author? Uh, I am a discovery writer, meaning I have a general idea of where the story is going, but it changes the entire time I'm writing it. So I'm sure they would be standing there going, what do you mean you're going to kill off that character? That character was going to be in the next book. And I'm just like, oops, sorry. No, they had to go this time. We'll find someone else to shove in their spot and keep going. So I'm sure that would be it. Uh. I hear you. I hear you. I am. Oh, I saw a quote somewhere that it's like there are. There are word gardeners and there are word architects. I am a word gardener. I plant the seed of the story. I watch it grow. I trim when I need to, but pretty much I let it do its own thing. 
Yes. Which can be a problem where you end up with two characters who want to be the killer. <laughs> well, I thought I knew who had like done who had done the bad things in this next story. And um, then I accidentally killed him off. And I'm like, well, crap. Now I have to find someone else to, to be the mastermind behind it all. So that's what we're working on. I had what I thought was the mastermind. And then another character just off to the side pulls what I call the Emperor's New Groove entrance. Oh, no. And declared themselves the killer. Well, I figure as long as the readers don't know by the end that you really didn't know what you were doing when you were writing it, that it's okay. <laughs> if they read it and it makes sense, then you're good. Right, right. And it's funny because I'm currently writing like the sixth, sixth book in the series. That's a long story. Anyway, I've brought my main character is where they're supposed to be and I'm like okay I have no idea how the family dynamic works here I have no idea how anything works here but we are gonna put a little mystery here and see how it goes <laughs> <laughs> yes like I know I started out with murder in mystic hills and then the second one is uh double trouble in mystic hills and spellbound is going to be the third and I thought it was just going to be three books <laughs> And I'm like, oh, but wait, it can't just be three books because I haven't, you know, done this or this or this yet. So I think there'll definitely be more than three books in the series. <laughs> Sometimes being a discovery writer can be a bit like um, survivor literary style. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like you come across a character, it's like, yeah. The other characters voted you off. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry, you're done. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, I've had so much fun talking with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Well, Snoops and Sleuths, you've heard another great interview here on the Cozy Sleuth. I'd like to thank you all for joining me on this journey. And if you are an author who wants to be on the show, reach out to me at www.thecozysleuth.com slash contacts, and we'll get you on the schedule. Also, if you like listening to Cozy Mysteries led, read by live actors, check out the Cozy Mystery Rats Maze, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, this is Leanna Shields saying, keep cozy.